Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12. Verse number 12 says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. You know, that encourages me <laughs> that even the Apostle Paul could say that he hadn't attained fully, that he wasn't fully perfected, amen. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say, I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And then he, if you skip, we're going to read some of these other verses, but if you, if you skip down to verse 15, it says, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, Paul considered himself mature, and yet he said, I haven't reached perfection. Christian maturity is not perfection. Really, maturity can be summed up by having a heart for everything God has for you. He said, as many as are mature have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Amen. This is a revelation. I said, this is a revelation. It's a revelation from the Spirit of God. And Paul brought it to these people, to the church at, at uh, Philippi so that they would understand what spiritual pursuit and spiritual maturity is all about. He said, he said, it's all about having a heart for everything God has for me. One, he said, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I don't know about you, but, but, but in the, probably the past, I don't know, three or four years in particular, this verse of Scripture has just been a, a recurring theme in uh, my life and on my heart. And I, I read it. I confess it. I, I, I live in this verse a lot and in this passage, but particularly this verse. I know Christ Jesus has some things prepared for me. I know Christ Jesus has some things prepared for you. I know that Christ Jesus has some things prepared for this church. Down in verse 13, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I don't know why they kept that, that old... Uh, uh, Elizabethan uh, expression here. That's from the older King James. And, uh, and, and it's really, it's, it, it's not helpful. If you'll notice, if you're reading the New King James, there's a margin that says, I do not uh, count myself to have laid hold of it. And that's, and that's what he's talking about in verse number 12. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have laid hold of it. It would have been better just since it's the same uh, Greek expression just to write it the same way in both verses. I do not count myself to have laid hold of it. 
But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I, I know this is kind of a peculiar, you know, it's, 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 you know, you might not think anything about it. But years ago, I don't, I don't remember what I was studying or what the Lord was talking to me about, but he led me to look up the definition of the word thing. And, when, I, and when, I, when, the, when the Lord said, look that up in the dictionary, I thought, well, thing, I mean, we use the word thing all the time. It's just one of those words we just use. We know what it means, but, you know, but not really. And so I looked it up and I found out that a thing, now this was the dictionary I had back then. I've got a new dictionary today, but the old, my older dictionary, it said a, one of the definitions was that which exists. A thing is that which exists. I mean, if it doesn't exist, exist it's not a thing. It, it's a no thing. It's, if it doesn't exist, it's nothing. That's no thing. If it does exist, it's something. Something. So, so I, you say, well, what's the big deal? Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. If it didn't exist... It's not a thing. There are some things that exist that are ahead. They exist. They exist. We're not there yet, but they exist. God has created some things for us and they lay ahead of us. And they're just as real. God God doesn't, God's not limited by time and space. He's not, he's not, he doesn't just live in the present. God is a God of eternity. And he lives all at the same time in the past, the present, and the future because he's eternal. We're eternal in our spirits from the time we were born again going forward. But we didn't live, we didn't exist eternally in the past, but God did. And, he, and that's where he lives. He lives in an eternal, with him, everything's now. It's not a past, present, future, everything's now. That's why God revealed himself to Pharaoh through Moses. He said, I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. And Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. But I said all that to say that in the realm of God, Things exist whether we can see them or not. They're there. They're there. And there are some things God has created for me and has created for you. They're not just your destiny. They exist. They exist. They're there in the realm of the Spirit. But you're never going to experience those things and I'm never going to experience those things unless I reach for them. Unless I press into those things, they'll never come to pass. Now I don't know, I don't know what happens when we get to heaven with those things that God had for us that we didn't fulfill. I I don't know, I don't have the answer for that. But the things he has for us, he has for us now. He has things for this life. And he has, uh, he has things for this life that he wants each one of us to lay hold of 
and to possess and to actually walk in, in, in our experience in this life. I press on that I, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. When you came to the Lord, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the plan of God for you was put in motion. Actually, the things God had has planned for you and the things that exist in the realm of the Spirit for you, they existed before you came to the Lord. His plan was created for you, the Bible says, before time began. Before time began, before time began, God had some things for you. Now, the natural mind and the, and the uh, uh, secular mind says, well, there's no reason for anything. There's no purpose for anything. We're just here. You know, and, and this is all an accident or a big coincidence. That's not true. And not only does it deny God, it denies your future. That's why the enemy fights so hard to instill this atheistic vision in people and why he works so hard to cause that to spread uh, among the people of the world is because he knows God has a plan for every single person and it's a glorious plan, it's a wonderful plan and it's a plan that will bless the world. And he wants to keep everybody out of that plan. But God, God created things for you before time began. When you were born again, you set those things in motion. You, you set the clock, as it were, began to tick because you now were in a position to experience those things. But they're still in the future. There are things that are ahead of you that God wants you to walk in. There are things ahead of us uh, spiritually that God wants us to walk in. Amen. And the things that Paul's talking about really are spiritual things. He's not talking about the job you have in the future or what kind of car you're going to drive or, or how big a house you're going to have. God will allow us to have what we want. God will, because he, he, he's a God of prosperity, he's a God of abundance, and that's one of the benefits of, of being a child of God is everything he has, we can have. We can have any, you can have anything you can believe God for. God's not offended by how much you, you can have 19 cars, he doesn't care. You don't ever hear God say, now, no, hold on, buddy. You know, you've got too much. No, he, he, he's, not, he, he's not taken with it. And he doesn't want us to be taken with it. He doesn't want us to be consumed with those things. And if you can keep yourself from being consumed with things and you can use them in the right way, he'll let you have all the things you can, you can believe God for. He's not, he's not offended. I mean, you know, he lives in a place made of gold. The whole city's made out of gold. 
you know, uh, there's, there's no, he's, he's not small-minded. He's not poverty-minded. He's not cheap. He's not. And he's not offended with nice things. There's nothing on this world, in this world, even close to the things God has. Amen. But the things he's talking about here, the things he has ahead of us are things in the spirit realm, spiritual things. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have, myself to have laid hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal. That word goal in, in the original Greek is, is the word that's used for a target. I think the older King James said, I press for the mark. Is that how that reads? Yeah, for the mark. And it, it actually referred to a target, a physical target, you know, it, when, when used that way. It was a word used that, that was used for a target. I press, he said, toward the target for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's calling us up, church. Oh, I just wish somehow I could communicate how deeply I hunger and desire for this church and for all of us to go up higher, to reach for more. God has so much for us and and it has to do with the end times. It has to do with the day in which we're living and what God has for the church, in the whole church, the whole body of Christ. There's so much God wants to do. There's so much more. There's church, there's just so much more. There's so much more than what we've seen. There's so much more than what we've experienced. There's so much more to God's plan than what we've laid hold of. There's so much more glory. There's so much more glory. There's so much more fullness of God because he's he's infinitely full. Oh, hallelujah. Go with me over to Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, I think. I think it's 29th chapter, 28th, 29th chapter. Yeah, 29th chapter. Hallelujah. This is a verse, this, is, this I talked about on, on Wednesday night. I think I referred to Wednesday night a scripture that's not a refrigerator. Anybody was here, was that Wednesday night? I said, this isn't a refrigerator verse. I don't know what verse it was, you know. You know what a refrigerator verse is. Those those nice verses that we like to, you know, they make them in the little rubber uh, magnetic, you know, things that you stick on your refrigerator, you know. And I read some scripture Wednesday night, and I said, this is not a refrigerator scripture. But this is one. Verse number 11. Uh, this, is, this might be the most crocheted verse in the Bible. I don't know. <laughs> Cross-stitched, whatever. <laughs> Whatever the difference is, I have no idea what the difference is, but you ladies know what the difference is. (laughs) For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. 
thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's a wonderful passage. And the thing about it is the things that he has planned for us, our future, he wants us, he wants us to hope in those things. And you don't have to know what they are to have hope for it. Because that's really what Paul was, what motivated Paul. He said, there are things out there that I'm reaching for. And there ought to be that motivation in our life. There ought to be that reach. It's a future, but it's a hope that, that goes before us. And the thing about it, he said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a, and a hope. God thinks about those things. The things that he has for us and the things that, that lie ahead of us that he has ordained for us, those things that exist, he's mindful of those things. They're never, they're never uh, uh, removed from his thought life. He thinks of those things. Then, he's, then he tells us, and this is really what I want you to see, then you will call upon me. See, when you have a hope for those things, when you have your, your eyes opened and you realize, dear Lord, there are some things out there that he has chosen for me, created for me before the foundations of the world. It's how long they've been planned. When you, when, you, when you understand that, it'll cause you to call upon him. He said, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Hallelujah. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your Hallelujah. Now, when it comes to seeking God, when it comes to, to seeking him and the things that he has, you understand on, on one hand, uh, when we were born again, we were translated from out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and everything he has is ours. So positionally, in, in, in our uh, union with Christ, by virtue of our union with Christ, there's not anything we need to seek for because he's already done everything and he's already given it to us. But that's positionally, that's what belongs to us. And that tells me that the things that are out there that I haven't laid hold of yet, they're mine. Because when I was joined with Christ, it's all connected to his purpose anyway. It's all connected to the purpose of Christ. All of those things out there that he has for you and 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 for me and, and then collectively he has things and then for the church universal, all of those things are connected with the purpose of Christ, the calling of Christ. Well, when I, when I was placed into Christ... 
and you were came, and you were placed into Christ when you were born again and became one with the Lord Jesus Christ then you took ownership of those things they became your things so we don't seek them from the sense of trying to get God to do something because they're because they're already ours they're already given to us but they're still future a lot of it and and what we have positionally, what when I say positionally, that's what belongs to us in Christ. We have to take possession of over in this realm that we live in. We have to, those things somehow have to move out of that realm over into this realm and they won't move unless we reach for them. But I have confidence in reaching for them because I'm not reaching for your stuff, I'm reaching for my stuff. I'm reaching for what God, it's, there's some things out there that's got my name on it. There's some things out there that have my name on them. They belong to me in Christ. I'm not seeking the, the right to have them, but I have to reach for them. So when we talk about seeking God, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about seeking everything that is ours So that by seeking him, we, we are, he's able to change us. Because the Bible does say we go from glory to glory. Isn't that right? We're being changed from glory to glory by the spirit of the Lord. So there, so there, there are things that belong to us that are given to us, but when we're seeking God, we're not so much seeking that he does something as it is we're seeking to be drawn closer to him, that we might know him better, that we might be in a position to lay hold of those things. He said, you'll find me when you seek for me with all your heart. I... Uh, I remember Dad Hagen uh, made a statement back in the in the nineties. This was in you know uh, about ten years before he went home to be with the Lord. He said that he was reflecting at that time on his past ministry and on the way things were in the earlier days of his ministry. And we've read his books and we've listened to his messages and. And right up until the end, he constantly told stories of some of the most amazing manifestations of the Spirit that I've ever heard from anybody. Just tremendous. In those meetings in the 1940s and the 50s, you know, when he, were, he was holding meetings in, in, in churches and, and, and so forth and, and, and then in, in crusades and things, some of the amazing demonstrations of the Spirit. And he said he was thinking about that and thinking about how that, this was in the last 10 years of his, of his life, how that in, in more recent years back then, in, in those recent years that he was reflecting on this, he said, we haven't seen that same demonstration of the Spirit. We didn't have, we don't have, he was reflecting on that. He said, we don't have today the depth of, 
of the manifestation of the Spirit and the depth of the demonstration of the Spirit and the moving of God. He said, we don't have it like we had it. Like He said, like I had it in my own ministry. I, I, I heard him say that, it's, and, he's, and he, 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 he wrote it down. It's in his book. He said, we don't have today what we had in years gone by. He didn't, he didn't have it in his crusades. I was in his crusades the last you know, 20 years of his life. And, and he told stories, but we didn't really see as much. And he said when he was thinking about that, he said, you know, Lord, we don't, we don't have what we used to have. You know what the Lord said to him? The Lord said, yes, and my people are not as consecrated today as they were then. That's what the Lord said. My people were not as consecrated to me. They're not as consecrated to me today as they were then. That's, that's really important. I tell you what, it, it, and I know, I know that the former generations, though they didn't maybe understand uh, some, some of the finer principles of faith and what belongs to us, there was a devotion and a consecration that doesn't exist in the body of Christ right now. It's just, now listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just telling you, it's not there. I'm talking about generally in the church at, at, at large, it's just not there. There's not that, and, and I know some of the reasons for it. You know, life is very busy. Boy, life is busy. You ever, you ever talk to somebody, you know, you ever hear people say, you know, how you been, oh, I've been so busy. You rarely, you rarely hear people say, you know, I've accomplished so much. What you been doing? You know, why haven't you called? Why haven't you, you know, well, you know, I've been, I've been accomplishing so much. You never hear people say that. They just say, I am so busy. We're busy, but we don't really accomplish things that are lasting. Amen. We accomplish some natural things, but they're not lasting things. On no one's tombstone is it written, if I had just spent another few days in the office. Amen. We, we have busy lives, and it's a very hectic world that we live in. There are a lot of demands upon us, and it's, it's stressful. And... Uh, there are a lot of choices today. I mean, we have choices that were, that were unthinkable just a few years ago. We can do so much. We can, we can sit home at our, with our computer and we can do so many things that 30 or 40 years ago, only people with really highly developed skill sets could do the things that you can now do with the click of a mouse. You had to go somewhere and pay somebody and wait a month to get it printed, to get it done, to get it developed. You can do it all yourself. And we can all do all those things. But I'm telling you, it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. We're too busy. Amen. We have 
made time for everything except God. Oh, we, listen, we, let's be honest. We've given him a little bit of time. We've given him a little bit of time. We pat ourselves on the back that we come to church on Sunday morning. It was a simpler day, but you know, they had their, they had their challenges too. But there was a consecration that they made. We used to sing songs of consecration in the church I grew up in. We used to sing songs like, I surrender all. And there was, there was, there was a depth. It wasn't just a song. There was a depth of commitment to God. I, I, that, that song simply says, I surrender everything I have to you. Everything I am, everything I have, I, I lay it all before you on the altar, of the, the symbolic altar of prayer, you know what I mean. I just lay it all out, God, I want you more than anything. There is a, there is a place, and not too many people talk about it anymore because it doesn't fit our, our, our hectic lifestyle. But there is a place where I believe the church a place the church has to get back to. And, and, and I know this, is, this is, might sound odd to people who have, if, if all you've ever known is the word of faith, this will, this will sound odd to you. But there's a place in God for brokenness in God's presence. And a place, I don't mean, I don't mean that in the sense that, that uh, you diminish yourself but I'm talking about a brokenness in the sense of humility where, where you realize that you, you are not going to achieve what God has for you unless you really make a complete surrender everything you have everything you are and say God and here's the key. I don't care what it cost me. And I'm going to tell you, church, to get into the place that God has for you, it's going to cost you. I know the grace people think that's a, a, you know, a blasphemy, but it's not. It's going to cost you. You're going to have to lay aside some things. Amen. But we have to get to that place where we're so hungry for God that we're willing to say, God, I don't care what I have to lay aside. I don't care, I don't care what it costs me in terms of, of giving up things that other people don't have to give up. But I, I want you and I want your will for my life no matter what it is. No matter what. You have to be willing. No matter what. I, uh, I remember when I was just a, a little boy. I know we're kind of running out of time. When I was a little boy, I had the sense. I was, I don't know, maybe 8, 10 years old. I don't remember exactly how old it was. But I had a sense that God was, had a call on my life to go into the ministry. And buddy, I did not like it. It did not interest me. 
And I was tender towards God. And I would, I would sense this when I would, uh, you know, pray and, and get into God's presence and become, you know, sensitive and in fellowship with him. I'd have that sense, but I recoiled against it. And I even put out a fleece one time. You know, that, Lord, if you'll do this particular weird thing, you know, then I'll know that you've called me. Well, God doesn't respond to fleeces. We had, I had been taught that was the way our church, that's the way people did it. They put out fleeces, you know. But it's not scriptural. It's not New Testament. It's Old Testament. And uh, I put out this fleece. If you'll do this particular weird thing, you know, let this happen, then I'll know. And when the weird thing didn't happen, I thought, I'm off the hook. And I buried that for a number of years. And even, even when I was completely backslidden as a teenager, it was always there. In fact, the pastor's son that I, my best friend, there was three of us guys that were best friends and one of us is a pastor's son. Well, his older brother, we were, we were leaving the church one Sunday night. We'd been at church, you know, and we were going out to get drunk after church. That's what we were doing. That's what we were planning on doing. The three of us were going to go and we were going to, you know, get into some trouble. I don't know what it was, but I think we were going to get drunk. And the older pastor's son, as we were, there was hardly anybody in the church and we were getting ready to leave. And, and Larry, the older son, he said, ah, he said, Edwin Anderson, he said, God's called you. You're going, he's called you into the ministry, mocking me. Ah, he's called you into the ministry. It made me so mad. I think I cussed him out. <laughs> if I didn't, I remember being that mad. The very idea. I didn't want anything to do with it. But you know, God has plans. I have found out that God's plan is the very best. I thought that was a death sentence. But it has been the best thing that's ever happened to me outside of Jesus, you know, and being married to my wonderful wife. I mean, the call of God is just, and the place that he's allowed us to walk into when we first talked about going into the ministry, Angela said, I'll go on one condition that we never pastor. That's what she said. I didn't really say that. I'm getting myself off the hook a little bit. I didn't really say we'll never pastor. I said, that's okay, I'm not called to pastor because I didn't think I was because I'd buried that, you know. But she said, we'll never pastor. Well, that's all we've ever done. God's plan is better than your plan. And what you think, you, if God is leading you to do something, it will, that's what I mean by saying it will cost you. We had to be willing to lay our plans down. We had to be willing to say, God, you know, we had to get to the place where God, this is not what I wanted for me. I didn't want a pastor. We didn't go to Bible school planning to pastor. When we graduated, we didn't plan to pastor. When we started this church, we didn't plan to pastor. We, we didn't want to do it. But there comes a time in your life where if you're going to have God's will in your life performed, you're going to have to give up what you want. You're going to have to be willing to say, God, whatever. Isn't that what Jesus did? He said, Lord, he said, Father, I don't want to go through this. He said, if there's any way possible that this cup can pass from me, 
Let it pass if there's any way. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. That prayer of consecration, which really what was the title of my message this morning, and I, and I just now, that was my first passage, was Matthew 26. and went about a different direction. But Matthew 26, Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will. That was not a flippant prayer. That was just not something that casually he just threw out there. He, the Bible says he was in great sorrow and heaviness and in anxiety, in agony. And he sweat, the Bible says, as it were, great drops of blood. Jesus wrestled with God's plan for his life. It was a battle. He was being sorely tempted to reject the plan of God. He knew what going to the cross would cost him. And he said, God, if there's any way, let this pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Every one of us has to get to that place. And I'm going to tell you this. He didn't do it once. He did it three times. That tells me that this is not a one-time proposition. This is not a one-time. Maybe you, maybe you did that at a point in your life in the past. When's the last time? When's the last time you've made that consecration? God, whatever. Not my will, but your will. Whatever you want from me. Whatever you want me to do. Where, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. I will, I will make whatever change. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's not, it's not always easy. It's not, it's, sometimes it's difficult. It was difficult for Jesus. But he was able to look beyond his own desire and look, and he said, for the, for the, uh, for the cross, for the, for the uh, despising those things, but for the joy. He looked for the joy that was set before him. And he, because of that, he rejected all of the shame all of the cost, he said, is no longer important for the joy that's set before me. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.